Hey guys, welcome back to my podcast. Oh god, I was actually like reading a book and I've accidentally um closed the page I was in. Okay, I'll figure that out as time goes by. Anyway, welcome back to my podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in and just um lending me your time <laughs> because time is of essence and time is important. So I'm very grateful that you take time to listen to my little nuances and my little stories and my lessons along the way. I am pretty excited about um how what this topic is about today and um so I think I'm going to get, get get straight right into it. So um a lot of people don't know this but um for those of you who are probably not familiar with me who don't know who who I am as a person I am a Kenyan first of all and then I come from a tribe called Kambas so I would give you the history of the Kambas but I don't think that's necessary you probably would pick up a history book or two <laughs> and you'd figure out about the history of Kenya as well because there are like 45 tribes if I'm not wrong 43 to 45 tribes they keep changing because they add more people like they added the Indians recently and then there's a tribe that had not been recognized since pre-colonial times that was also added recently and I can't quite remember their names but yeah we do have a lot of tribes and while tribal issues are quite um, a touchy subject in Kenya I will not delve into the things that make um, tribal issues so trivial and so um, that bring disunity among Kenyans and everything but I'm gonna bring a different side of it so <laughs> um, unknown to many even my own friends is that my first language was Kamba so when I was born I was actually born in Nairobi in the capital city of Kenya which is basically a metropolitan town so it's uh it's, it's like a a conglomerate of different all all tribes actually all tribes that live within this city that houses between four to six million people and so when being born here may meant that unlike my parents who were born back in the village in Kitui they were born in a fully Kamba community okay let's say 99 percent <laughs> The 1% probably stumbled upon that town by mistake. Or they were colonialists. That is another option. <laughs> I hear there were Italians um, uh, in Kitui back in the day. That That's a story my grandmother told me way before she died. I'm not sure. Maybe I should investigate that. But, um, so I started speaking Kamba when I was... A little child because my mother thought it was very important that we learn our traditional language because eventually we would learn the language of the country and by the way for my foreign listeners English and Swahili are our national languages and I've had this conversation especially with a friend of mine recently and we were talking about the role of um, IELTS um, basically the English exams that n- other countries make Africans do as if they want a chance to go to the schools or they want a chance at citizenship or residency just to prove that they can speak English. And of course, for me, I've always had a problem with those exams. 
I've never I've never taken any of those exams and I'm glad that I've been able to travel around the world without having to take those exams because to be honest I find them very uh, this might be a bit controversial but I find them dehumanizing I mean we were colonized by the British so we picked up their school system we picked up their mannerisms we picked up a lot of things from them which meant that our national language was officially English. And on top of that, our educational system is fully in English. So you are taught, there's no way you get into school and you're taught in Nairobi, you're taught mathematics in Kikamba. Nah, yeah. So I do have a problem with those. I know it sounds like, no, we want to just make sure that you know how to communicate with the people around here. And I'm like, hmm. First of all, <laughs> uh, yeah, we speak way better English than this is going to be. Some people might find it shocking, but having lived in Europe, we speak way, way better English than the Europeans at large. I did not speak of the UK. I spoke about Europe and we speak way better English than them and we write way better English than them. But I don't see you guys making them do those exams, do I? Anyway, that's a story for another day. So when I started going to school, I was basically speaking Kamba. And so when I got to school, I remember when I started baby class in a school called Bellevue. When I started baby class, my teacher was called Teacher Brenda. I know some people might be very shocked to know that. I still remember my teacher's name. I actually do remember her face. She was an old lady, a very old lady. So she was, she, she was grand, grand, you know, that she had that grandma vibe. Like she treats you like her own, you know, grandmas, grandmothers basically treat their kids way better than mothers do, right? <laughs> like, yeah, like my, 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 my brother's mother-in-law once mentioned it at a family gathering. And I was like, we know we've seen it and everyone laughed because they know it was true <laughs> but yeah she had that grandmother grandmotherly love and and vibe going on with her and um so when i started school and i was speaking only kamba i came to class and i quickly realized that the students were speaking english or swahili or both and um i wasn't speaking either of those languages so, of course, I kind of felt like, I don't know if it was, it wasn't a feeling of not belonging, but I I, I just quickly just ring and just, I was like in my own cocoon. Let me just say that. I was in my own cocoon. So, my my thing was that I, since I didn't know how to speak the language, I didn't want to embarrass myself. So I used to keep quiet. When they'd ask questions in class, I'd keep quiet. When they tried to engage me, I'd keep quiet. <laughs> that was like my defense mechanism. Just keeping quiet. And for somebody who talks a lot like me, you know, it's. It, I know some people would find it strange. Like there was a time in your life you used to keep quiet. Yeah, that was the time in my life I used to keep quiet. Probably that's why I speak much these days. But yes, I used to keep quiet. And so seemingly the, the teacher started teacher brenda started getting a bit concerned about me about my abilities about 
I think it was like mostly my cognitive abilities. Probably she thought I didn't understand what was going on. Or she even at one point thought I was dumb and not dumb. Let me just say dumb in both senses. Like not catching, not, not getting things very fast in class. And also dumb in the sense that I could not speak because I was not speaking. So she called my mother and <laughs> she called my mother and she asks, you know, very concerning questions, you know, like, how is your daughter? Is there any problem? Is she sick? Does she usually have problems? And uh, <laughs> so my mother quickly realized, oh my goodness, it's because she doesn't speak the language. And so she, she explained to the teacher that I only speak Kamba and that's why I'm not speaking and I'm not responding to people in class because she asked me and obviously said that I was having a hard time talking, communicating with people because I was not speaking the same language as them. But then eventually, um, so I, I, I came, I, beca- I, I became determined to learn the language. And so my mother says this story all the time, all the time, that my first term in school, I could not speak English or Swahili. My second term, because of determination, I came speaking Swahili, English, sorry. I came speaking English and my third term, I started speaking Swahili. I was a three-year-old kid mastering as much as I could at that time just to catch up with people and be able to communicate with people because it was important to me that I could be able to talk to people at the end of the day. Oh, <laughs> and so that was, that, that, that was one of the things that, that made me quickly catch on with the rest of the people. But then I kept on thinking, I thought about it recently and I said to myself, I seemingly have started carrying the same, the same traits that I had back then till, till date, something that I discovered that I need to start working on as a person. And the thing is, I, when, when my, when teacher Brenda mentioned that I wasn't speaking in class and my mother came to confirm that it was because I could not understand what these people were talking about, and I also didn't know, and I didn't want, I didn't know what the, I didn't know the language they were speaking. Basically, I realized that every time I was, I got into a crowd of people where I felt like the people were smarter than me, or I didn't understand, I didn't quite understand what they were talking about. I would quickly go into this small cocoon that I went into as a three-year-old child starting school and uh, you know it's it's the fear of 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 saying the wrong thing the fear of sounding stupid the fear of failing the fear of embarrassing yourself and I think I just learned how to keep quiet like I remember something that is very very funny when I was in first grade when I was in my first grade I was about six years and um, one day during a science lesson there was a teacher who I absolutely loved and I have never forgotten her she was called teacher Mwangi and um, I remember she asked who knows how to spell the word wire (laughs) and quickly in my head I calculated if it is called wire, then it has to be W-A-Y-A. That's wire. I mean, that's how it's supposed to be. And um, 
I was about to raise my hand in confidence when a guy called Philip. I have never forgotten Philip. When a guy called Philip raised his hand just before mine, saving me of what could have been an embarrassing story or something that could have made people laugh at me or not because we all didn't know. Philip raised his hand and he quickly spelled out spelled out the word the word wire which was w-i-r-e oh my goodness i think it just i think that day is when it hit me you don't answer until you're absolutely sure that your answer is right and that was a habit that i kept on carrying on in my life because i was constantly afraid of being wrong and i was constantly afraid of being embarrassed for lack of knowledge I'm not like the things that embarrass, you know, like falling down. I don't know. Funny, funny things, funny things that people can laugh about. But for me, I think my like my biggest fear of embarrassment from when I was a young child had to do with knowledge. It had to do with the things that I know and the things that were right. And so I was never confident to raise my hand up if I was not a hundred percent sure that the answer I was going to give was going to be the correct one. So every time somebody would say there's no right or wrong answer in this case, I would look at them with a lot of skepticism because I'd be like, what do you mean there's no right or wrong answer? Truth is absolute. It has to be this or this. You know, it can't be this or that. And of course their life there are times in life where things are this or that and there's no absolute answer to to certain things in life and i guess for me i was like so when you say that there's no right or wrong answer this is me as a child of a thinking stuff <laughs> if you say there's no right or wrong answer that means we are basically not going to get something that will tell us that this is the straight line or we are trying to make people happy by letting them just show off their mistakes. You know, that was me as a child because I was quite, I was still in this cocoon that I could not say anything until I was absolutely sure that I was right. And I came to see this grow over my life but of course as time went on I started to gain a bit of confidence in the things that I do in the in the um in talking I've never been somebody who shied away from talking in the public in public I've never been somebody who shied away from public speaking it's not you know the way people say I hear in the U.S. it's like what like top 10 fears in people is public speaking one of the top 10 fears and i'm like that is not something not not i'm not saying that in a way that sounds like i'm bragging no 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 no. but it's one of those things that i can say confidently i've never had a problem with speaking in public of course you as a human being you have this little butterflies of fear before you get on whatever podium or stage or whatever and you say whatever you have to say but those are normal human reactions but i've always liked to get onto the stage and give whatever i have from my head and that fear of always constantly embarrassing myself i realized pegged away 
into my early adulthood as I began to do my undergraduate degree and I was like the entire time I remember doing a lot of presentations in Strathmore and I would spend the night before absolutely consuming every little piece of information that I needed to present on every little data like even the last number even the point something I would literally consume this information just so that I could present complete facts remember when I talked about absolute truth (laughs) that was me constantly trying to just get myself not to embarrass myself by saying the wrong thing in front of people and when I began my master's there's something very strange you know when I I I got to Europe and so the first semester we were doing things on European business context and all these things and having come from Kenya now this is gonna take you (laughs) it's not it's not surprising though coming from Kenya I did finance when I was in my undergraduate degree here and there was a lot of comparison between probably the Kenyan market and the American market. So I had a lot of information about the American market and everything, but I didn't have information about the European market. And so when we started European business context, I remember I was so, I was, people were answering questions in class and I'm like, what the, what is happening here? I don't know this stuff. (laughs) really did not know this stuff. And so I went back into that cocoon of mine remember because I didn't know a lot of this stuff and I would not answer a question in class I would not answer a question like for the first two three weeks I was just keeping quiet and you know for them it's like it's not like I'm sorry Kenyans (laughs) like a lot of people are used to going to school where you start the semester and it takes you like three weeks four weeks a month before things start start kicking off but then there, it's like from the very first it, day, it was like, let's get going. And so everyone's answering questions because they have all these nuances. And most of them are Europeans and everything. And we are just like, what? 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 And then at one point, I remember, I felt like my professor, I'm not going to mention his name here. <laughs> he might stumble upon this one day. <laughs> but I remember, I just felt like my professor probably thought, I was dumb. And it doesn't help when you're like two Africans in class and one of them has been studying abroad (laughs) for a long time. And that's not you. You know, you studied in Africa all your life. And so you have to come here with, and it's a whole story, but it's a whole topic that I could cover about how African students really try to um, settle into schools abroad. It's it's a whole other thing. It's a whole different topic. But then I was already like, I was, I was trying my best not to feel like I was feeding into the stereotype that they already had in their minds. You get. And so what I did is that one day I went and saw the professor after class and I said, hey, I'm having a hard time with this class, not because I can't understand what's going on. It's because I don't have a background and I don't know what is happening. So if you could please recommend 
some books that could be useful to me, I will really appreciate it. And I can tell you for sure, the guy actually recommended, he was so good, he recommended some books. And so after class each evening, I would sit down and I would read. I would read the books, I would read way ahead of the next class, which was very unlike me. <laughs> I know, we used to say, okay, this is what guys in Alliance do. Yeah, they read way ahead of the teacher. Yeah. But this time around, like, I had to put in my best so that I could build that confidence. And um, I remember the turning point for me was, uh, there were two turning points. One was a class where I quickly raised up my hand and this guy was shocked. I could see the shock on his face when he turned to, I was seated on the left side of the class. And I remember when he turned to me, I even remember who I was seated next to. And when he turned and he saw my hand raised, he looked at me and he said, Ashley. And I said, yeah. He said, you're going to answer? He said, yeah. And I answered the question. And I was like, wow, that was like me getting out of that cocoon. And my second turning point was one time when we were supposed to go through a case study and come and present on the case study. And I went and I absorbed the entire case study. You'd think it was my life story. Like I had it on the tips of my fingers, every single detail without reading and this guy when he said who's going to present I raised my hand and I remember talking about that thing Maka he said okay I think that's in <laughs> he said I think that's enough information for today <laughs> and I was like wow I was just getting started you know <laughs> like I was in my element man I really was in my element and it was so funny because it was just that moment I realized, you know what, girl, you can actually do it. You can, you're not dumb. You are just in that small cocoon of yours. And it, it, you needed a bit of a nudge to be able to just break you out of there. And I remember that, I think, was just like the beginning of me now fully fully immersing myself into that program and being able to have the full um master's experience absolutely it was absolutely necessary for me to find that turning point that moment you know that that moment where you're like yeah where you know, like when you watch these movies and these guys are trying to open this safe and they put in the different coordinates and then like ch -ch 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 -ch, and then they finally open that, uh, that 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 what what have I called it? <laughs> that safe, and they can get the contents inside. Same analogy, same analogy, and so for my for me, like my my lesson for today is simple sometimes you have 
sometimes the reason why you're not able to do some of these things that you want to desperately do as a person, sometimes why you're not able to achieve the things that you desperately need to achieve as a person is because you're also kind of afraid of getting out of your cocoon. You're afraid that the circumstances around you do not align to what you know and what you're familiar with. And it requires you opening up your mind and saying, okay, this is not exactly how I envisioned it to be. This is not exactly what it would look like in my ideal world. But can I be able to change and conform in a way that I am able to kind of just grasp the elements around me and move forth. And one of the greatest lessons that I still learn till today, whenever I'm in a room full of smart people, and you know the thing about life, it's like smartness and and money, it there's, there's no, like, unless you're currently... Um, Elon Musk, <laughs> even that is not assured at the end of the day, there'll always be somebody with more money than you. That's right. And as long as you're not Einstein or the person with the highest IQ in the entire world, and even when somebody else is born, they could be smarter than the last one because I'm pretty sure they've been smarter people than Einstein till date. There'll always be somebody smarter than you in the room. Or there'll always be a bunch of people smarter than you. So what do you do? Do you put yourself in that cocoon and say, you know what? I think it's comfortable where I'm really comfortable where I am. And I I cannot stretch. I, I don't need to stretch myself out to reach where they are. Or you could say, you know what? This is my chance to learn what I can from them. This is my chance to pick up what I can from them. And so that I so that I can push myself out of this cocoon and become that butterfly that I've always I was always meant to be. So even as you go through life right now, think about the things in your life that you feel like you have kind of stalled and you know there's a way out. You really do know there's a way out. Or the things you've always thought you're not good enough. But you know, something at the back of your mind tells you, if you just put in just a little bit, or you just get that little bit of nudge, you can be able to just propel and do beyond whatever you even imagined you could do. And so today I'm just here to tell you, um, work towards getting out of your cocoon. Look for small nudges that can like continue poking you and pricking you towards where you're supposed to be and don't let fear of failure or fear of embarrassment like me (laughs) hold you back you have so much potential in you you have so much you can give the world and sometimes it's just those little webs that are blocking your way so get rid of them And go forth and conquer. See you.